0: back. We'll be right back. Uh, We would like to note, uh, as we start this third segment, uh, where we're going to place all of our obituaries on on this and future programs, uh, the passing of Robert Moog, the inventor of the Moog synthesizer, a man who changed the face of electronic music. Uh, If you own a little uh, uh, electronic device that produces music, you probably uh, owe a debt of thanks to Mr. Moog. The day before yesterday, they played a wonderful uh, old uh, old interview uh, uh, between Robert Moog and Terry Gross, where he talked about uh, the album Switched On Bach, which changed everything. For the first time, they were able to produce music electronically, and of course, it uh, gained popularity with uh, inclusion uh, on Beatles uh, albums such as Abbey Road and By The Who. So, uh, Robert Moog, we salute you. One of the big news stories, of course, uh, is the evictions going on in Gaza, and we made mention on last week's program that we would want to talk about this, and I want to take about five minutes today to do just that. And uh, we don't have anyone to share an experience of, of what uh, what had happened when the Israeli army came into Gaza and evicted people, but I do have someone that knows something about what it means to have your family be uprooted by troops of the Israeli army coming in to do just that. Joining me now is Chris. Welcome to Radio Parallax. Thank you. My pleasure. I should let our listeners know that I I heard this story from you a couple of weeks ago and just wanted you to tell it to our listeners, and and thank you for coming in to do just that. To set the stage here, it's 1947. Your family is living in Palestine in Jaffa? Jaffa. Okay. And at this point in time, this this is while it's still under a British mandate, the Zionist movement is bringing in large numbers of Jews. There's a, there's a feeling in, in America and Britain that there should be a creation of a Jewish homeland. This is not favored by the Arabs who think that they should remain Palestine because... The large majority of the population has been living there, Arab population, all along, and that the Jews should become a minority in Palestine. This, is, of course, is not what happened. No, not at all. And, and your family was a part of what then transpired. So, can you tell us what happened in
1: 1947? Well, in 47, my parents took in some refugees from Poland, and their their thoughts were, "This is no longer going to be your state. We're going to take over, and it's going to be, you know, an Israeli state. It's going to be what they had thought of, of." majority, as opposed to being a minority in your state, was, they were going to take over.
0: Right, and it had always been intended by the Zionist movement. This would be a homeland for the Jews who had, been, had not had one since Roman times. Correct. Yes. Most of us, I think, know the story. But I think today we probably shouldn't get into, in, into weighing the pros and cons of, of what happened with the foundation of, of the modern state of Israel, but simply just take a look at what we start talking about, an eviction. The army comes in at gunpoint and tells you to leave. It's been in the news that this has been happening in Gaza. Settlers are there. And uh, they've been there for it the most, perhaps
1: thirty. I think it's thirty-eight years that, in Gaza that the settlements have been there. In these, Gaza these, these, new, these settlements that are, they're evacuating. Yeah.
0: Which, just as an aside, it's rather strange. Gaza, even even among the Zionist movement, my understanding is that even among the greatest zealots in, in the Likud party and others, most people have recognized Gaza never was part of ancient Israel and therefore to have a Jewish population there doesn't even make sense. Correct.
1: I don't know if you want to discuss that now. <laughs> we probably don't.
0: I just thought it'd be worth, worthy of mention. But but but, it, but it's uh if we fast forward from 1947 your family has been warned that something may change and they, I guess they didn't really believe it.
1: Right, it was just a passing thing like, you know, you you couldn't believe that somebody's going to come and take your house and take over your country. It's just not, you know, you you can't fathom that. They were they just brushed it off. But in fact, in 1948... In, in 1948, the soldiers came knocking on the door and gave them two options. You leave or, or you, you die. It wasn't... Was it really spelled out that clearly? As my father would put it, yeah. It was, I mean, somebody comes to your house at gunpoint, that's pretty spelled out.
0: Now, this, this is part of your family, Lori. You, of course, you weren't born at this point, but it was, it was your mom, your dad, and your older brother. My oldest brother, yeah, Costa. The, 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 the Army knocks.
1: They say you've got a few hours... It's Yeah, collect some items and, and go. It wasn't more than a few hours, yeah.
0: Now, you've undoubtedly heard this story from your dad uh,
1: numerous times. Well, what, what did he say his reaction was when, this, when, the, when the day came? He never really got into his reaction. It was just we had to get up and go. We just had to do things. I had to get up and leave my house because he didn't want to die. That was just two options. He had to get up and go. He was, of course, mighty pissed, <laughs> to put it slightly, but never really got into how he felt about it as opposed to just being angry and had to leave. He left the home, his construction company. He's got a successful construction company that, that's been employing... Right. He was the main contractor, and he hired other contractors to, to build homes and, and buildings and office places and office spaces and whatnot. Walked away from all of that. Yeah. And, and literally and literally walked away. Yeah. To Had to walk across into the um, West Bank. It's a small
0: country, probably 10 miles to the border, I'd imagine, but then the, where? The, who knows where the next settlement is. Right.
1: He didn't, he didn't know where he was walking. He just... I had to get up and go. I guess it was kind of follow the herd. <laughs> per, per the history books, 700,000 people were
0: in the same position
1: as your family, basically relocated to wherever, but get out. There was no option. There was no Humvee waiting for them to take them over to a new settlement. Of course, when, when you say that, that is the
0: present situation. People leaving Gaza are, know where they're going. They're going to other settlements that are in the West Bank. Right.
1: And they're, you know, in a protected busses and whatnot and they're they're moving into new settlements that well I guess new illegal settlements that are being built now.
0: So it's it's, it's your mom, your dad and and your in your and your oldest at that brother. point oldest brother baby probably babe in arms. He was born in 46 maybe 2 years old at the time. And you mentioned that your dad in a construction company that the part about your story when you told me this when I was in your store a few months ago you told me this story it just the part that blows me away is the fact that it was important to the story that one of the soldiers that came in had actually worked for your dad. Mm-hmm.
1: Yaffa and Haifa were two sister cities, and he employed Jewish people from other parts. And so he employed this, um, this man who became an Israeli soldier. And as they, were, as they were told to leave, the one, one other soldier wanted the, you know, the jewelry off my mom's hands, which was also her wedding ring. And this one soldier said, no, I know these people. Leave them alone. And then just let them walk out.
0: See that's the story that just that just that blows my mind. You don't hear. I mean, that's one of those personal. You don't hear of tales like that when they talk about moving seven hundred thousand people. You think, well, they told them you better leave. Right. You don't think about them stripping the jewelry off
1: somebody as they're going. Exactly. But that is the reality. Right. And that's the only thing she had left on her was her jewelry, her her son, and her husband. It, it's it's hard to believe that you know somebody come into your house and say, okay, you you no longer own all this stuff. You just just got to get up and, and and walk away from all your stuff. It, for me, it was it's hard to believe. It, it being told from a, when I was a young kid, it just it never sunk in. But when you lose your mother, you realize what sacrifices they went through, just just to stay alive. It just
0: and and of course, what was your your family compound was turned over to incoming families. Correct. And to this day, someone's living in that house. I believe so. Unless they destroyed it, I'm not sure. Your memory must go back, of course, to this story that you told me some time ago in the wake of what's going on right now.
1: Right, especially with this new pullout. It it brings back old memories and makes me remember how my parents would talk about it and and their passion.
0: Well, I I think it's a long time overdue. I'm glad to see that Gaza has been, you know, theoretically restored to Palestinian authority. And now the question is, can they resolve the West Bank? That's going to be a lot thornier.
1: Well, as my mother would say, Inshallah. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed.
0: And for those not familiar with the Arabic, that, of course, means? God willing. God willing. Chris, thank you for telling the story. I hope you can come back as we continue to monitor what's going to go on in the West Bank and just sort of give the perspective of someone whose family's been there. Thank you. My pleasure. All right, let us close on a slightly different note uh, and examine the battle of the sexes. In fact, we're going to look at the the human species versus that of the fiddler crab. It's been noted that early in a relationship, this is according to a study done at the University College in London, that uh, the best way for a man to woo a woman is to treat her to an expensive night out. Now, basically, uh, they did a study on uh, various types of gifts men might use to impress women, ranging from extravagant offerings, such as jewelry and furs, to a night out at the theater and a high-priced restaurant, down to cheap baubles or a $5 bouquet. It was noted that expensive presents put women on the defensive because they felt pressured to accept them and thus became wary of a man's true intentions. Lavish presents, the study found, also leave men vulnerable to being suckered by gold diggers who have no interest in them. Not surprisingly, cheap gifts were the least effective at all, suggesting to woman that the man had little serious interest. Kicking out the jams on a pricey night in the town, though, scored big points. Women took it as a sign that her suitor had a long-term interest in her. Our analysis said mathematician Robert Seymour shows there's an evolutionary logic in men burning money to impress the girl. And we would note in closing today that uh, it may be harder to impress a she-crab than, <laughs> than a human female. It's been noted that no matter how picky you are when choosing a romantic partner, the chances are you can't hold a candle to the female fiddler crab. A study done by researcher Catherine de Rivera and listed on discovery.com, noted that on the average, the female fiddler crab checks out 106 potential mates before finally choosing one worthy of their attention, making them the choosiest known animals on Earth. And just by way of review, for those of you who are not necessarily uh, up on your fiddler crab courtship, the male of the fiddler crab species creates a bachelor pad burrow and then stands near them, waving to passing females, hoping one will decide to move in. The females scuttle past, stopping usually just to peek in at the doorway at the bachelor pad before moving on. They might do this more than 100 times before choosing an acceptable home. Once she moves in, one of the pair plugs up the opening of the burrow and the mating begins. As far as I know, said researcher de Rivera, no other species has been observed sampling nearly as many candidates as the California fiddler crab. Although I got to say, Ms. de Rivera, some of the gals I know might just be that picky. (laughs) out of time our thanks to joseph mealy producer and director of bush's brain and to our friend chris who will be coming i think again on the program to talk about how things are progressing in uh, over in the west bank you've been listening to radio parallax i'm douglas everett this program is produced by edward mcmillan now you must stay tuned for todd and we'll see you next thursday at five.